What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Watch The Atheist Experience live Sundays at 4.30 p.m. Central. Visit tiny.cc slash ytaxp and call into the show at 512-991-9242 or connect to the show online at tiny.cc slash call axp. It's time. Sexy on secular sexuality. Hello, and welcome to Secular Sexuality, the ACA show that's about to do a deep dive into the VJJ. I'm Kara Griffin, I'm your host, and I'm joined tonight by proud vagina owners, ex Christian Aaron, who has the standard issue hoo ha. Welcome, Aaron. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and Phoebe Rose joining us with the late 2015 factory upgrade. Phoebe, welcome. What? Absolutely. Okay, well, Aaron. So, well, tonight yeah. uh, we have a poll in the chat. So the poll tonight is, have you ever broken up with somebody because of their genital? You can hear the results near the end of the episode. And in the meantime, we are going to be talking about vagina shame. So give us a call with your stories and questions at 5191-942 or tiny... Or you can go through your computer at tiny.c forward slash call sec because the show is right now. Well, this is the moment in the show, as we always have at the beginning, where we hear what is turning you on. So who wants to go first? What is turning you on this week? I already know what one of the answers are going to be. Meat. Meat. Yes. <laughs> meat. Yes. Lots of meat. Say more about that. So I went to a Brazilian steakhouse near where I work, and they had a buffet, and they had a man wandering around just, you know, skewers of meat that he was just slicing off in front of you. And it was just lovely. You get a little plate that you could leave it rest on and you could see the meat rest. And you see all the juices that rested out nicely. Right? And then you'd this beautiful tender bit of meat, this nice, you know, throbbing bit of meat. It's really, really lovely. Genuinely mm-hmm. gorgeous meat. And that's what's been turning me on since I, you know, ate it yesterday. Yeah. And me too, since you sent the picture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well done. Yes. Throbbing meat juices. Absolutely. <laughs> Aaron, how about you? Okay, well, mine's a little bit less, uh, I don't know, interesting in that way. Um, 
yeah, literally because I have been going to kind of like older kind of stuff, I guess, in a way. I, as I've shared in other things, I, I only kind of left Christianity and fundamentalism and therefore Christian like sexual purity culture, like only a few years ago. So here I am digging through like old information that's been out for a while. And lately I have discovered Esther Perel. So I've been binging on her, uh, her lectures. I'm listening to her book right now called uh, Mating in Captivity. It's just like fascinating things. And I'm just constantly struck by how different um, her perspective is <laughs> as like a clinical clinical psychologist who talks about healthy sexual lives between um, long term relationships, which is which I am in, uh, how absolutely like upside down it is from what I was taught in Christianity. So I've been really loving that lately. And I love a good book review. So I am definitely. Yes, be it's a book. There's out. so Esther Perel and the book is called Mating in Captivity. And then I think she has another book called maybe Rethinking Infidelity or something along that line. Mm. Um, there's TED Talks. There's like so much stuff on YouTube in general, if you're just looking to like get an idea of what she talks about. Um, just absolutely fascinating, fascinating information just about relationships and how she talks a lot about like even just the evolutionary psychology of like sexuality and how humans are and how it's, how sexuality has changed in the last like few thousand years, specifically in the last hundred years and where we're going to, which is really interesting. She, she speculates a lot about what sexuality will look like in our culture in a hundred years from now and that sort of thing. I'm just, I'm just eating it all up. I love it. Futuristic sex. Are, are there <laughs> robot dolls in this? I, I feel uh, like well, there have to be. Honestly, yeah. There's a lot of like, I mean, the sex, the sex industry and like this, you know, culture of around sex in general is changing like at a, a way faster pace now than it has over thousands of years. So she she does mention that too about the role of sex, you know, sex dolls, sex toys, and um, things that are not necessarily between another human. Um, but the biggest thing she talks about is uh, just like human nature in general like we 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 romanticize this idea of monogamy but if you look at the reality of how humans behave right now we are i think she calls it more like the serial monogamy like we typically and she validates every other type of relationship so polyamorous and everything else um but typically the norm is that we are serial mono serially monogamous so we have generally one partner at a time but just at a time so it necessarily means that we have divorces and we you know we get remarried and this is how humans have acted for many many years so um it's just it's really really interesting yeah i, re yeah. I would recommend it for anybody just as a, a fascinating almost like a well i mean it's a, a kind of a scientific look at how christians have or christians how humans oh my gosh that came up out of nowhere <laughs> a little bit of a Freudian slip coming yeah, out yeah no kidding um how worse, humans have thing, behaved uh, like i said worse i'm, I'm only a few years out of <laughs> how humans have behaved over you know the last few centuries and and how where she thinks it's going from here Excellent. Well, that sounds pretty exciting. I'm going to have to check that one out because, yeah, I think uh, I think I grew up hearing some of the same misinformation you might have gotten. So it's always good to to yeah. read more, learn more, root out some of those uh, bad ideas. So yeah. excellent. Okay. Well, very good. I love it. I think that it is probably about time then to dive into our topic for this evening. Unless Phoebe, did you have something you were going to add to that book? No, I just want to know what's been turning you on. Yeah. Oh. Oh, me too. I was going to yes. ask you too. Ooh, I almost got away with not doing it, but I'm not cool like Christy, so I'll go ahead and share. Um, I also have a book recommendation, and it was a book that I recently found. I, I had a whole list of books that I was going to read before this episode on my, my list that just keeps growing faster than I can read things on it. But one that I really enjoyed that I just finished today was a book called Vagina Obscura. 
And it's basically, um, oh, it's by um, Rachel Gross, who is a kind of like a science writer. So it's written for a popular audience. It's not super technical, but it kind of goes over similar to what you were talking about, Erin, kind of the history, but not so much about human sexuality, but about ideas that we've had about vaginas in particular and the way that science has tended to ignore or belittle research about vaginas and vulvas and uh, going from their importance uh, for sexual enjoyment, but also even just in terms of their importance in what they do in reproductive processes or what we think they're for and how the kind of the long hundreds of years of history of science and research on vaginas has been very much male dominated uh, and not exactly focused on the needs of vagina owners, which is yeah. kind of interesting. And I think contributes a lot to some of the topics that we're going to be talking about this evening with people having shame and confusion and mm -hmm. just not really knowing what's going on, because that's, I don't want to say intentional, but it seems like there's there's definitely been a, a systematic uh, lack of good information coming out about the parts. So that's uh, that was good. I recommend it. It's, it's Vagina Obscura. So it's it's an easy, easy, quick read. It's not super dense and it's uh, it's it's pretty interesting. I definitely learned a lot. Cool. I love All a right. good book too. <laughs> I do too. I know. Yeah. It's it's a problem. It's getting to be a problem. My Goodreads <laughs> list just grows and grows and grows and then I can't read as fast as I would like to add things to it. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I thought after grad school I was going to stop having that problem, but no, it continues. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's never ending. It's a fast list and a Goodreads list. Yes, uh, that is the best. If you're not on Goodreads, like come find us on Goodreads, y'all. I, I think that's <laughs> a thing people can do. <laughs> but go on there and read book reviews. There's lots of good ones. Okay, speaking of knowledge and patriarchy, as as it pertains to our topic, let's jump in to vagina shame. And so I want to start off with, you know, thinking about for all of the body positivity and the patriarchy smashing that we've been doing as a culture and on this show, I hope, um, it feels rare that people actually acknowledge that there's a real problem with the way our culture and our society tends to think about the vulva which is the term that I'm going to use much of the time in this episode, even though we say vagina, that we'll probably get into how that's not necessarily the most accurate term a lot of the time for the body parts that we're discussing. Um, so am I imagining this problem? Is, or is this a real issue? Do y'all feel like there's, there's kind of a problem with the way society in general kind of treats the vulva? Uh, there's a problem for sure, I would say. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of evidence that we have a lot of shame still as a society around the idea of our private areas. There's many, many nicknames that you will call it. The Vijayjay and the Punani. And there's a whole bunch of different names that we've used um, to just even address the area because it's uncomfortable for a lot of people to even refer to it by name. Um, you had mentioned earlier the use of the word vulva. Uh, mm -hmm. many, many people just say the word vagina, but that's kind of inaccurate when we're talking about what most people are speaking about. When we say vagina, you're talking about the internal canal of like, the functional part of the whole reproductive system. Um, but what most people are talking about when they're talking about appearance or other things, it's the vulva, which is the outside, the visual part, the things that you can see um, on the outside of your you know, ex external part of your body. Um, I think that the use of nicknames, um, when we look at like the products that are 
are marketed towards uh, vagina or vulva owners. So things like cleaning products and um, cosmetic procedures and even just the vast amount of myths you'll see online about how it all works. Like that that all kind of acts as, as evidence towards the fact that we have a problem still in, in society. Yeah. Yes, I completely agree. This overuse of these like silly terms and euphemisms instead of just saying clinically and matter of factly the part of the body that we're discussing it's like we're, we're talking to a child which also we don't need to be having children use these terms either <laughs> uh, like we call is... an arm an arm we don't call an yeah. arm a... actually uh, i know we, we I don't we, say... it's like we call fingers fingers we, we we call legs legs why does it the when it comes to genitalia we all of a sudden become babbling messes of incoherence and we can't say what they are labia vagina, clitoris, vulva, etc, etc, perineum. Why is it these words that are just almost taboo, for goodness sake? And why do we perpetuate these myths onto children at a very young age? Why is it seen as a vulgarity to have accurate and sensible conversations with children when they're learning body parts? We don't teach children inaccurate terms for things intentionally for any other part of the body you wouldn't call your stomach your your food digester part or yeah. or oh i'm terribly sorry i'm just going to put this in my speaking hole you don't you don't <laughs> say things like that that's just nonsense yeah. so that's why do we have all of this range of terms that are you know even the dog disagrees are I'm just sorry. nonsense <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And, and and do we imagine that by doing that, that we're not, you know, alerting children <clears throat> to the fact that this is something shameful. Yes. This is something that we can't discuss. You can't ask questions about this. You should feel bad about having this on your body. You need to cover it up. You need to never mention it again. I, what is that going to do when they have questions or if they have a problem that they need to discuss? I, I or a person is, is a problem, for example. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of things that we end up with because this kind of shame about those areas of the body allows people who are less savoury, shall we say, in society to be less savoury and get away with it under the cloak that, well, you're not going to say that because it's shameful. It's yeah. taboo. And these less savoury people get to get away with less savoury things because we've made it an unsavoury topic when it's really just another bit of skin and another bit of function of the human body that evolution has said yes let's have some fun with it <laughs> yeah yeah i was gonna say the same thing uh with the about like what we teach the children like i mean there's nothing wrong with talking to your kids about their body parts and i think it is much more common that we will tell our young children and i'm speaking from a mom of, of both a boy and a girl um they you know we talk about both equally you can talk about his he has a penis we talk about his all of that and we talk about what she has and we use the correct terms and I, I think that it is so easy I mean it's easier as a parent to give it a cute nickname because it's awkward but I think that overall long term you're going to do a lot more damage because you do you set them up for you know a lot this is a whole other conversation about uh, future kind of abuses that could happen but start with giving them the actual correct anatomical words for what their body is called because like you said Phoebe you don't call your 
eyes your peepers or like something else what is it what does it do and like what are all the separate parts that you have especially for little girls i i grew up as well not knowing exactly what all the different parts were and you end up being confused as an adult because you you know you're faced with real life situations you don't know but how you, to dis yeah. differentiate between yeah. the different areas and that kind of thing and and it's it like, is it's it's a form of control if if you right. don't give children the language to talk about things, you you constrain their ability to think about and understand and even do activities with those things. Like, I mean, I, I know or I properly care the for time, themselves. Exactly. Right? And it's not going to prevent them from growing into adults and, you know, realizing that they have a vagina, <laughs> you know, it's just going to hamper them when they then realize, oh, I now have a medical situation or an interpersonal yeah. situation or anything uh, to do with this body part. It's. I, I don't think it's helping anyone. So you remind me. It reminds me on this topic of an advert aimed at men with you know failing you know wooden areas, shall we say, failing to get the wood. The reason that I'm speaking like this at the moment is because I have to be very careful of the uh, algorithms going around at the moment. It's not because I'm trying my my hardest to be as euphemistic as possible. But the whole advert goes through, and it's just every nickname they could possibly think of yeah. for what a penis is. Just boom, 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 boom. And it's just got round the bend where it's just so obvious that it's mm -hmm. just a nonsense now that people can say these euphemisms and it used to be like one or two and now nobody has any idea what on earth they're talking about. Right. <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. And speaking of having ridiculous ideas and not knowing what people are talking about, uh, what are some of the ridiculous expectations or imagined problems that vagina owners may encounter? Or any uh, particular uh, examples y'all can think of? Well, <clears throat> I had said that I would like to share some of my personal experience yes. in this area. Um, so I, I am currently mostly staying home with my kids and my husband and I have a business. But before that, and before I became an activist. <laughs> um, I, I actually worked as a as an esthetician in the beauty industry. I was in the esthetician kind of world for 12 years, first as a person who does like waxing and facials. But then I also moved into laser, uh, laser technology stuff later on. So I have a lot of experiences meeting people who own vulvas and hearing what their, you know, their insecurities and this sort of thing. So um, I think one of the things that I like, I, I would always look back on is that every single person Person. It seemed like I would say with almost without fail, unless it was somebody I'd seen for a long time, and they'd already done it on the first session. Um, there was always some sort of a disclaimer. Uh, am I am I normal? Um, there was so often that someone would sit down in my in my, you know, my treatment pool for a very simple kind of like a waxing or whatever it was. And they they was just a sense of insecurity always. And I would have to reassure them like I've seen everything and you are perfectly normal. But I it started to like really impact me after a while like every single person that comes in here for a treatment has this inherent shame over the look, the appearance of their vulva. And so, I mean, it, and it, to extend that, we have so many things that we can refer to to back this up, that we have these products that are for treating the color of their vulva, like lightening products. Uh, we have cleaning products and deodorizing products because of the smell. We have other kind of cleaning products like douches. We have surgeries like labiaplasty, vaginoplasty. Um, there is concerns about the pubic mound area. So whether you have a fupa or things like that, there are so many areas that are targeted simply to the aesthetic look of someone's vulva. And I, 
I just, I wish I could tell everybody what I know and what I've seen. I wish I could just put it into your brain, how many parts I've seen and how normal everyone is, because almost always yeah. it was the same concern over and over and over again. I say, whilst you've done that in like a professional capacity, I did it as like a legitimate medical research <laughs> capacity. Right. <laughs> and I remember when I was selecting the surgeon that I wanted to go and have my many plasties done, because they do labiaplasty, clitoroplasty, vaginoplasty, um, vulvoplasty, the, the, the whole lot. You see a lot of vaginas when you're actually mm -hmm. researching, because they will put front and centre on their websites this is what I offer. These are my results. Look at my results. And one of the, and the reason I selected the certainty is that here are my results. They are just everything. So everyone will look slightly different. Yes. Whereas some of them was like, they clearly picked what they thought was the perfect set of vaginas. Whereas this guy's like, nah, he's like a hundred different vaginas for you. If you want, if you want one that looks great, good for you. But what you consider to be great is going to be different to what someone else considers to be great. And it was just that level of openness that made me very comfortable going to see that individual to have my late 2015 factory upgrade. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's so interesting that, you know, both of y'all had, you know, completely different exposures to, you know, all of these, you know, vulva images or, or real life vulva, you know, contact. Uh, and I, I feel like, you know, that would have been so helpful probably for everyone to get that at a young age yes. before they start feeling all of these insecurities and wondering, you know, does this look right? Because, you know, like we were talking about earlier, you know, if your arms look like other people's arms or, you know, and not that yeah. everybody has to look the same, but when it's all shrouded in mystery and, and kept a secret and, and you can't even see a medical picture of it for fear of someone saying, oh, this is lewd, you know, this may be right. pornographic if we show this, you know, to children. No wonder people are so insecure if they have no idea what it is supposed to look like. Heavy yes. air quotes on. And you know what? To. Even even yeah. at the most um, like superficial kind of search for it, you will see misinformation. So, Absolutely. like you mentioned, medical textbooks. So many medical textbooks don't even depict the vulva properly. No. There no. is a it's a very very um, adolescent looking vulva, and lots of times there's not even a depiction at all of the clitoris. Um, there is a mis there's a misinformation kind of campaign maybe it's maybe it's i would like to think that there is um not on purpose and that there's just need this reworking that needs to happen because you know if we look into the history of the medical field like it was led by men for the most part for many many years um and there was you know there's just a whole bunch of different circumstances that came to where we are now in 2023 and what is still being rep represented in our medical textbooks but the reality is is that it's really uh the accuracy is not it's not sufficient at all no no no, it, it really is not. And this business of, you know, trying to keep things out of textbooks. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm of the opinion that you're not helping kids by hiding information no. from them, generally speaking. <laughs> it comes back to the nonsense of try of these people who try to not allow their children to learn correctly, just learn what they want. And so it's the intelligent design in biology classes nonsense all over again. And yes. it is that kind of, we need to turn around to essentially a lot of PTAs and tell them to fall. 
Yes, I, I'm sorry, but yes, that's what we need I, to do, and we need to, and, and we need to tell these people that, excuse me, you're not benefiting your children, you're not benefiting right. other people's no. children, because and what, you're not benefiting society at large. No, because what ends up happening is if you shelter these, you know, if you shelter young, you know, young girls, if we're we're kind of keeping it kind of targeted on that tonight, um, if you shelter them and you don't explain to them what they have, they're going to get into their, you know, teenage years, and they are inevitably going to try their the curious curiosities are going to see things and they're going to be seeing things that are of a standard that is not typical for a lot of people. So yes, mm-hmm. I am in a way referencing typical porn. And so I would say that most of the people that I have met uh, in my in my past, you know, working at the in that industry, and this doesn't account for what's going on now, because I know that there is a shift happening in, even in the mm-hmm. in that industry. And thank, thank goodness. But um, most people who would come in to see me for a treatment to for hair removal, whether it was vaccine or laser, um, their insecurities laid mostly around the length of their labia, the color and the general shape, like so whether it was too like fat, <laughs> that's what they would say. <laughs> like, is this shape right? And you know, I can't even you know, this part doesn't look right. And, and I, I remember feeling really quite sad, that, like, no, this is completely normal. Like, I would, I would tell you that it's more rare not to see this. This mm-hmm. is like 99.99% of the people that I see what you are thinking of is a standard that is not really um, acquirable for most people. So. Yeah. And, you know, that's a good point, too. I mean, is there some extent, do you think, uh, to which porn does contribute to some of these very restrictive, very particular beauty standards that people might be thinking of when they're, you know, comparing themselves? I think it can. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. I'm, I'm just blabbing on about, about my whole experience. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say just before we keep going, like, I'm not trying to um, talk down about the porn industry. I love porn. Yeah. Porn is great. But I would say historically, yeah, it has been influential for people's insecurities. Just like in terms of, you know, very particular body yes. types uh, being depicted yeah. in very particular ways. Yeah. And I mean, I guess we could say the same thing in any kind of, you know, beauty industry modeling. it's it's gonna show what is considered to be the quote-unquote beauty standard which for some (laughs) reason always seems to be like very thin white women yes which does not really describe most people no it's yeah but i getting back to the original question i say i think that the porn industry is changing but Mm -hmm. i think that certain pornography can if you only expose yourself to that kind of pornography Mm because there is a lot of pornography out there and it's all about personal preference and personal taste at the end of the day but there needs to be and i understand it can be very difficult to somebody who did suffer a lot of body dislikes growing up to actually go hang on i may want this idealized version of what is there but how realistic is this idealized version of what i'm actually a are striving for and mm-hmm. porn historically and still moving forward is a fantasy world of fantasy people doing fantasy things with fantasy mm-hmm. standards yeah and i think trying to hold yourself up to those fantasy standards is very damaging if you don't see them as a fantasy standard and i think that's mm-hmm. part of the problem that we have with this gulf of poor teaching about vulvas clitorises uh, labia etc it's like just it goes- filled by well what people are going to see and yeah. the largest and most plethora largest plethora of vulvas and clitorises that you're going to see are in the porn industry 
history. So if you watch porn and that's the first exposure you've had to real genitalia, you're going to think that that's what it should look like. Right. Yeah, of course. If there's nothing else available, you know, what else are, are people going to see? And, you know, like you said, it's not that there's anything wrong with seeing that. But if you don't have a realistic idea to begin with, you're not going to come away from that with a realistic idea. Yeah. I, I, I dated someone who used to call porn training videos and it was like a little bit tongue in cheek, but I, I don't think it really was a, a joke. Uh, and the kind that kind of sadly is, is true for a lot of people, right? Yeah. yeah. If that's all I the think, information you get, then you're going to come away with yeah. a skewed view. I think that this, it goes hand in hand. Like these, a lot of these things do, but like, you know, talking to, um, you know, just pr uh, promoting proper education and comprehensive sex education and using proper terms and other things like, like how to consume porn ethically. And you, you know, there's, there's other avenues, which I think are doing a better job in representing many, many different kinds of body types. And I think that like, maybe just as part of one of the ideas of what's happening is this, um, when you go to like these, you know, these free porn sites, so you get a lot of the same thing over and over again, because they're often put on by a huge production company, and they have a type that they get and they, you know, um, when you do see, you know, these other kinds of uh, like sex, sex content that's out there, you do get a better, better representation of different kinds of bodies, and there's different niches, and you can go like all all down those different avenues, but those things kind of go hand in hand. Like, how do we have a healthy look at sex? How do we have a healthy look at um, online content? And like, where where's a better place to see a better representation of body types? It's not necessarily from uh, like a certain porn com company that produces the same kind of content over and over again, that's targeted towards the male gaze. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, that's an unreasonable sort of expectation to even put on the porn industry to, to expect yeah. that you're both going to be producing these very particular fantasies and entertainment and also you need to be educating people yes. who don't even know what the proper words are for their body parts I, that's a lot to expect <laughs> i think maybe we can fill in some of those gaps in other places all i've got now is it's just educating rita in my head that's all i, that's all I have now it's just educating rita in my head that's all i hear yes from. yes education folks <clears throat> it's it's a good thing and yes. okay speaking of perspectives on this uh, Phoebe, do we have some calls we can take? We do have a caller on the line. So, yes, without further ado, let's take our first caller of the night. We have Helen, who is phoning in from hey. Florida. Their pronouns are she, her. Hello, Helen, you are live on Secular Sexuality. You're talking to Cara, Erin, and Phoebe. What would you like to talk about tonight? Hello, hello, my fellow vagina owners. Um, so hello. I'm here because hello. I originally pitched this idea to Cara. Cara, um, God, what was it, like a couple months ago? I don't remember when it was. Anyway, yes. Because this is something, yeah, it was a couple months ago. And this is something that I've been, you know, kind of thinking about and deconstructing because I'm 45 now and I'm still dealing with ideas about like, you know, how my vagina is supposed to look and, you know, um, and how those ideas of like images that have infiltrated my life for a very long time have affected me. And like Aaron was saying, I used to work as an esthetician as well, did well oh, things, yeah. all that sort of thing. And I, and I didn't really think much about other people's vaginas. And as a polysexual person, I've also had sex with other women. Didn't really think too much about their vaginas and how they looked. I just 
wanted to have a good time. But for some reason, when it comes to my own, I'm caught, like, there's these, you know, um, bad ideas that kind of infected my brain. And I, and I have to remind myself that it's like, no, your vagina is normal. It's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, but I, it's always been this idea of how the male gaze and, um, we were talking a little bit about the porn industry and it is getting better, which is great. But we do know that, you know, as soon as you go to a certain porn website, you're going to get, like, as Carl was saying, like thin white woman with like, you know, um, what, you know, whatever the industry said is the ideal vagina, which I don't think is really a thing. <laughs> It's like a mythical you know, thing out there. Yeah, it's so uncommon. Like standard. <laughs> Not that it's wrong. Not that it's wrong. It does happen, but it's so uncommon to have that the the look with like absolutely no internal like or the the labia being visible at all. You you know everything's tucked and everything's the same color and every, like that's so not common. No, if that had not even occurred to me that that was a thing to be insecure about until I was already an adult and somebody was talking about it and I was. Thought, oh no wait a minute it, 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 is it supposed to be like that I, I hadn't even thought to to get you know self-conscious about that but you know you can bring up you know just about anything and present it to enough people and they'll think oh i'm the one that's wrong it's it's me i'm wrong but that's not it well yeah and, and i think also too like we you know um this is kind of uh, something else that i was also thinking about because like you're we were talking about like bleaching products and people getting surgery and all these different things and i understand if you know, you're using your vagina in a professional manner and, you know, that you have to do it for your job. I get that. But, like, most, of, like, 98% of the population is just a normal person, you know, trying to get it on or whatever. So, to me, or these ideas of have been kind of infiltrating our brains are very toxic. Also, too, because... Like, like most people that are having, you know, are interacting with the vagina aren't thinking about all the stuff that's going around in our own brains, but it's our own self doubts, our own, um, these things that have been kind of taught to us that I really wanted to start to break down and have a conversation about because only through my fellow vagina owners, we can have these honest conversations and talk about like these weird anxieties and this weird bullshit that's kind of been put upon us, which really doesn't hold up to reality in any way. Yes. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. And I mean, you. I think you make a really good point too about how this is something that's going on in our own heads and probably nobody else who's seeing our bodies is thinking any of this stuff and going is that does it look like that one labia is is like a different size than the other yeah. one? Oh, hold on a minute <laughs> like, right. i don't know maybe yeah. i'm not in other people's heads but i bet that's not what's going on and in it, there that oh, yeah, is absolutely. the common thing it's the it's absolutely down to the most minute detail the nitpicking over like this folds over here and it's not the same on this side and and like it, it's it's incredible how how harsh people can be on themselves uh my question for you helen is is how what are you doing currently to help combat that are you looking at other images are you trying to you know get a better idea of what is a normal looking vulva like what, what has been helpful for you um I, it's not so much as, as look i have like a vagina coloring book which I, it was gifted to me 
That's and great. there's all types of different vaginas in that coloring book. And because you're actually sitting there coloring, you know, and thinking about it, you know, you're not really, it, it just become, becomes something that just is. So that's, a, that's one tool that I've used. And also, too, I've also just kind of just stopped being so judgmental on myself and just being like, this is, this is what you got. This is your body and just kind of being okay with it. You know, occasionally I'll check in with my partner and I'm like, I'm like, is my vagina okay? He's like, yes, you have a very nice yeah. vagina. <laughs> and I feel, so it's like, Isn't that funny how that works that nice though? How, how often are those, those thoughts simply generated from our own minds? I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure there's experiences out for people who have had horrible things said to them. I'm not saying that it never happens, but I would say that for m- many, many, many of us, if you reflect on like what has been the feedback uh, yeah. so often, it's never come from ex- someone externally or so often it doesn't come. I shouldn't say never. Um, it does come externally. It's something that's happening kind of on an internal, on an internal level that we are the ones that are being self-critical of it. And if you bring it up to a lot of people, in my experience, if you bring it up to a guy, they're like, what are you talking about? They like don't even know what they're, you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating how little they give a shit about that. <laughs> Yes. I'd just like to I'd like to jump in and I'd just like to yeah. say something that I experienced when I went and I, I flew all the way out to Thailand to have my factory parts upgraded. And one of the things that was really amazing about we had this in the, our own little community and the nurses would come round to the hotel we were staying at and they'd make sure everything was going okay. And a few of us we would, you know, all got to know each other, you know, Westerners all spoke English, European, American, Canadian, etc. And one morning we were all in this room together and she said, Well, do you mind if I just do the checks here you're all here and then she went and we went yeah okay oh so you're now all having a vagina party together it must be wonderful <laughs> for you yeah. a vagina party like we're, yeah. we're having a vagina party this evening so much like, yeah. so much fun <laughs> and just it was one of those things where i think that that community if i hadn't had that community it would have been a lot more critical of my own genitalia but where yeah. we were just like well okay this has been happening and this has been happening what, 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 what kind of results have you been getting and it was just so, like well okay phoebe were you able to actually see the other people in the room like what their results were from that if they wanted to show a couple of yeah. my friends was like yeah okay this is what we've had this is what yeah. i've had and it's like yeah well then right yeah it and was, you, and it you was could, fairly amazing you could, you could see even you know from the, those experiences yeah. like how no turned out exactly the same yeah. right and that's yeah. the same as our experience is that it's not yeah. nobody has the same thing <laughs> it's a very there are no facsimile genitalia no? Nope, no not at all well yeah that's yeah, that's so, a really great point yeah oh go ahead helen no i was gonna say like and this is something that i have to you know um deconstruct because it, it is all it, it's just what's going on in my own head you know and that and also too like you know just, you know nobody can tell you who you are or how, what you're confident about and how you feel about things so for me I've been looking at this trying to come out of myself and if I was talking to a friend that was having the same problem I'm like I'd be like, your vagina is fine. Don't worry about it. You know, I'm like, if it functions properly, then you're okay. So I've been, I, I think that's like, you know, where I'm kind of coming from. Like, look at, like, talk to yourself like you would talk to a fellow vagina owner and be yes. like, it's okay. 
I think that's a great point because I mean, probably none of us would ever be projecting these, you know, very minute anxieties onto someone else like ever in a million years. We would not be looking at at someone else be like, is that, oh, that that's a, that's an interesting shade. Uh, what, oh, oh. <laughs> like, never. It just doesn't happen, right? Yeah. No, it's just, it's it. Oh. I just feel like again, it just underlines how much of this this messaging that we get, you know, that is completely nonsensical, disconnected from reality, unscientific, you know, coming from all sorts of nefarious sources, like, you know, industries that want to sell you products, you know, uh, patriarchal, uh, particularly, you know, religious oriented or motivated or politically motivated educational materials, you know, these are the places that these these ideas are coming from and, and getting into our heads. This is not factual information in any way. It's not representative of how bodies are. And I, I think keeping that in mind uh, for me is is helpful at least. Yeah. Well, thank yeah, you sure. for so, putting uh, the bug in our ear for doing this, this <laughs> Helen. I yeah. think this is a really important topic. Absolutely. Such a good topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I thought it was a really important topic to discuss. So thank you guys. Yes, um, I'll let you yeah. get on with the rest of the show, but have a great night. Thank you so much. And I will continue watching and go get myself another drink. So you guys enjoy your vaginas too. Have a great night. Thanks well, for joining the vagina yeah. party. Yeah. I'm glad we uh, helped you out there, there Helen. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. All right. Well, that was an excellent call. I'm glad we had that. I think this might be a good time to see what else has been going on around the ACA. Like, is there a swimsuit competition? I, I know it's not Imagine, Miss Universe. like, four days of amazing gay leather pageantry. Yes. And I'm talking, like, down home. Doing it. Down home, Texas pageant, bear plus gay. <laughs> <laughs> and they were trying to reconcile modern quantum physics with um, Eastern mysticism. And they did a really good job of it. Right. I mean, it was all bull****, <laughs> right? But Wait, so why did they do a good job of because, it? Because they made it sound reasonable. Okay, so in our second segment, uh, just like Richard said, we're going to be traveling down to 1950. I'm, I'm hearing from my producers, it's actually Florida in 2023. Hard to tell the difference, my bad. And they have to be match up perfect. Okay. And when I'm looking at those two things, they match up. Wow, that's great. Well, that's wonderful. I should go. To, I think you should tell NASA and then come back to us. I'm not telling anybody. I'm not telling anybody. But you're, well, you're telling why us? Why are you telling us? Thanks. Thanks, Mark. Oh, well, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. He called me young. I I wasn't going to say, really, young. Can you provide some evidence of that claim? Because I don't see... Well, I don't know about y'all, but I am thoroughly enjoying our vagina party here this evening, and I am ready to continue with our discussion. Uh, and I was wondering, we have talked a lot about the male gaze and, you know, assumptions about what things are supposed to look like and everything like that. Do y'all have any experiences you can share about any of these sort of judgments of or assumptions that you feel society has made related to? parts I have so parts unknown 
They're not parts unknown. They're just parts fun known. I mean, oh, that's good. I've had a I've had a lot of experiences with a lot of different individuals who have had wisdom, and some of those people have been individuals who would typically identify as male, and some people who would not identify as male. But they, you know, they've had a good penis on them. And as somebody who used to have a fairly decent penis myself, I say it was a it was a nice penis that I used to have, and it it's got a very good upgrade to it. I can say I was, you know, a fairly toxic penis owner at points, and I was one of these people that was not a great you know penis owner i was very well i do i really want to stick my penis in that fanny do i really want to do it and it was just a bit well i wasn't the greatest it was just like oh i've got this far i i kind of have to finish now and it was a bit like oh well there you go do you think were you having like apprehensions about the act itself did you have like criticisms about what you were experiencing or did it have something to do more about like what was going on for you and your own some of the transition history when i was getting to understand my transition and i was understanding well some of this might be application some of it was just that you know i'm 18 i've got testosterone flying around me do i really <laughs> like the look of what's down there it smells a bit uh, i'm not gonna do that why would i stick my penis in that fanny that's in front of me i mean it's just like well hang on a minute do i really and it was fairly shallow because it's a fanny and i just wanted you know something that was better looking than that and it was a bit of a turn-off really but that was 18 year old testosterone fuel lunatic me not really understanding what it was like and you know i was i was there and i was one of those you know arseholes that did it <laughs> I, I have a question one more question about this follow-up question um do you feel like a lot of your um impressions like that led up to these experiences Experiences, were there kind of things that you had been taught even like not maybe on purpose but because of like the group the circle that you hung out with as a youth like what were some of the things that were said about women and their vaginas and things that may have uh, contributed to kind of overall so there was a like, lot of there was a lot of entrenched misogyny in yeah. the early 2000s when I was growing up there was an awful lot of it in the group that I was in and it was basically if it's not perfect it's not going to be a great shag you're just gonna you know have the the bad austin powers moment you're not gonna be <laughs> the spy who shagged me you're gonna be the spy who got told to <laughs> because you're not getting fucked tonight and it was very shallow like that because it was one of those things where from the perspective of somebody who was looking for good sex if it didn't look right and my perspective of what looked right was you know quite warped as an 18 year old testosterone fuel probably a bit drunk idiot right. it was you know absurd yeah i think that's really insightful too that you bring that up that you know if there are these occasions where you know people are are having expectations about how it's supposed to look or saying something you know unkind you, you know that's probably coming from something that's going on with that person you know whether it's their misunderstandings or misperceptions or this you know perhaps and miseducation as well right yes how much how much of this is influenced like you had just said like also what's going on internally with that own with that person but how much would you even say phoebe was your impression of what it was supposed to look like what the perfect vulva looked so like was was affected the, by what you had seen yeah. in the same things that we talk about that give women insecurities yeah. right so what you what you brought up earlier was textbooks yes biology classroom textbooks and biology classroom education on that and sex ed at school was frankly not worth the toilet paper it was written on in some cases <laughs> yeah because well, it was this idealized, it was cross-sectional, it was very, oh, look, this is how you do it, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we did, 
did sex ed in RE classes. That's how absurd it was at the school I went to. So the RE teacher would go, well, I have to say this to you, blah, 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 blah. And don't you never... Don't do it, <laughs> right? Don't yes. do it. But, do it. it was, but she was she was mandated by, uh, by law to, you know, I have to promote safer sex here. I have to tell you about a condom, et cetera. I have to, you know, this is how a condom goes on, et cetera. And that was about it. I mean, it was all on like a display model and it was never, yeah. this is what it should look like. And there was never any positivity surrounding it. And it was all very much, oh, you'll explore that one day, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And it was like, well, and I've often, no idea what it's supposed to look like. It reminds right. me of the South Park episode, Where's the Clitoris? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, and, and so often the sex education that people are receiving is very medicalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's yeah. talking about like, this is functionally how it's done. And this is yep. the risks on the worst end of the, you know, the, the spectrum of the risk. Um, I I have yet to meet somebody who kind of grew up, I was, I was raised in the same kind of generation. Um, none of it was really pleasure focused, which is, I think, the shift that's happening now, right? So when you you add pleasure to the conversation, you kind of have to add the clitoris onto the diagram, at least start there. (laughs) There was no discussion of what this loop is different. And this is this. I mean, I remember the teacher said, well, dental dams are a thing if you're doing oral sex. And it's just like, (laughs) really? Really? And it's just like, okay, and that was about as diverse as it got. Condoms and dental bands is about as, you know, diverse and as diagrams sex. of adolescent people. Yeah. There you go. Diagrams of adolescent. So the three things that I learned in sex ed in England from a religious education teacher was condoms, dental dams, and this adolescent idealized version of, you know, biological diagrams with cross-section going through it. Yeah, there you go. And that was bad. So I was gonna be bad that fun. toxic prick that, you know, went round with But how could you not have time. Honestly, I was this, I, so I yeah, like I was a yeah. Speak to that, like how how could you have not have been? Obviously, so yeah. honestly, because if you if you're if you're raised with that narrow scope of yeah. of what what I you know what to expect when you see somebody who does own a, yeah. a vulva, what what yeah. else are you supposed to expect when that's it? Yeah. And maybe you, your own conversation in the locker room, and then porn yeah. or whatever else you might have been exposed to. What I mean, else could you have and, been at the time? And these same messages too that that you know we talked about how you know some of these religious messages make you know vagina havers feel ashamed and dirty and this is how it's supposed to be you know at the same time boys are getting the sort of other side of that message as well which is that you know you're supposed to be a particular way this is how masculinity is and women are you know for your enjoyment and pleasure and to impregnate and if that's the only messaging you're getting of course you're going to think of them as oh this is kind of gross and there's probably something wrong with them and you know pleasure didn't enter into the I mean just following on from what Erin said I mean it was worse after sports matches I mean I was a soccer player football player and I mean you'd go into the locker room afterwards and you'd just you know these were quite violent football matches at, at times because you were playing teams you really didn't like and I played in goal and you'd get some you'd get the testosterone flying in those games and you'd go back to locker rooms and some of the conversation there were lewd crude and quite disgusting about you know you got her over the table and did you get a good look up upper upper vagina and I mean I'm talking technically correct here up her vagina did you get a good look up there when you you know bent her over the table and it's just like hang on a minute and look back on that and you go when you think Ooh. about that yeah like <laughs> yeah no wonder I was I was uh, a yeah. toxic prick waving their prick around it's just 
horrendous. Yeah, this is, yes. I, and I think that's so important to recognize too, when we're talking about the problems with the male gaze and patriarchy, you know, this isn't to say that, you know, the problem is that men are bad or, you know, people with penises are out to attack people with vaginas or, or anything like that. It's, it's that this messaging is bad for everyone. This this is sexist. This is you know inherently violent. You know both you know metaphorically and, and in some cases literally. And and that's harmful to everyone who's who's getting that messaging. And and it, this isn't like a you know penises versus vaginas argument. This is this is bad for everyone. Uh, yeah. And it, it's and, not improving and anyone's probably, interactions. We could probably flip that script on another episode if we talk about you know mm. penis shame. Right? Like, yes. This, this is a problem it's holistic it's all it's, it affects everybody you know today we're mostly talking about how we as people who identify you know as as yeah. uh, women and and have you know our own shame thing how yeah. this is developed. <laughs> yeah sorry i apologize who are so, even adjacent to this topic right like how it has yeah. affected yeah. us sorry but i say it's like it's it's about that but we know that this topic affects it, it affects everyone you know even, yeah. even people who are who are on the ace spectrum like there is there are ways that this would affect everybody even if you're not ever in, intending on having sexual intercourse it's not even about sex necessarily it's about how you feel when you look in the mirror and what kind of messages you've been um who messages you have in in yourself anyway so yeah yeah absolutely but, but just to wrap put a nice bow on that what i was talking about it did make me have this bizarre and unhealthy idealized version of what I wanted my own genitalia to look like when I eventually got the genitalia that I wanted. And mm. what Erin was saying earlier about the clients that she saw complaining about these things, in my head, I would, I'd sit there some nights and I'd cry, well, I won't get the perfect genitalia. I won't get the perfect this, that and the other. And it's just like, oh, and it's really difficult because I had expectations of what I wanted my genitalia to look like. And I was fearful that I'd never get that because of the culture that I'd been brought up in to go, well, if it doesn't look perfect, it's not worth yeah. shagging. And I would be like, well, if I don't get the perfect genitalia that I want, will I ever get, you know, sex? Will I ever, will I be just somebody that's got like this ugly, floppy sets of labia and vulva that no one wants to go anywhere near because folks like that. Right. Yeah. And then, so, so how did, how did your perspective change after, you know, receiving the late 2015 Thai model? <laughs> <laughs> did yeah, did that great. give you a more, a, like a, a sense of, of empathy or how, how did that? It yeah. was very, it was very much an opening up because I'd done a lot of research. I'd looked at all the vaginas before I went there. And the whole culture that when I was out there, because I was in Thailand for nearly eight weeks and you saw a lot of people and the surgeon would see between four and five people a week. And you got to see a lot of vaginas and you made a lot of friends and you saw a lot of things and he would comment about how your vagina was doing. And he was like, well, that'll go down. That'll look normal, et cetera, et cetera. Normal is whatever your body says it is. And it's just like, well, okay, if you need, if, if the surgery is not taking properly, we can just, you know, do a couple of revisions here, there and everywhere. And he was just so calm. He was just so relaxed. It was just like, ah, get over yourself effectively. <laughs> but yeah. when it, about a year, year and a half later, I finally realized that it didn't matter to mm. what my 
genitalia look like? And I, I mean, I, I go off and I do have, you know, waxing of that area done because I personally think it feels better. I personally prefer the way it looks. But it isn't one of those things where I go out and do it and I'm going to nitpick or worry about what it looks like down there. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, you, you've done a great segue into the next uh, segment that we were going to talk about, which is, you know, we, we've kind of discussed and probably beat to death that, okay, there's <laughs> no exactly perfect way that it's supposed to look, you know, big lips, small lips, you know, you know, asymmetrical lips, like, okay, there's, there's all kinds. But does that mean there's anything wrong with having, you know, cosmetic procedures or alterations done? I think we're, we're definitely leaning towards probably mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say so. On that? Yeah. No. So how do we how do we walk that line to where we say, okay, you know, it's it's probably normal, it's probably beautiful. And if you want it to look a different way, that's okay too. I, I really think that it's it's not a lot different than any other cosmetic um, uh, procedure that you would do, elective procedure that you would do. So, I mean, there are legitimate, first of all, there's legitimate medical and, and other reasons why you would undergo some sort of cosmetic elective <laughs> surgery on your vulva or vagina. Some people experience extreme distress over the appearance or the function of their lady parts. <laughs> um, I think the key here is that everyone has a broad awareness and of the full spectrum of normal, first of all. Um, that once you debunk the myths of what you're supposed to have, and then you kind of process that, deconstructed that whole idea, whole idea. And if the anxiety doesn't go away, then, you know, we're just dealing with something that is very similar to any other cosmetic procedure. If it makes you feel more like you, it makes you feel more comfortable in your own body, then it's you can do what you want because it's your body. Ultimately, that's my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. Just to follow on from, from that, it's about giving the individual the choice to make the decision for themselves as opposed to having the individual feeling that they should have certain pressures to look in a certain and specific way. Because we're going down a very fine line, as some people would say, but it is also a, a fine line that can be very easily weaponized by those who are opposed to cosmetic procedures of any description. It can be a fine line where some people can go overboard and I think the medical community themselves do have a lot of responsibility here because they need to understand yes some individuals will be going through certain difficulties but some people don't want it just because well they prefer the way it looks I mean if you take Cara Erin and myself we all have noses we all have three different noses and some people will decide that they want to have different shape noses but just look at the three of us. We have noses, they're all different shapes, they're all different lengths, they're all different sizes, the nostrils are all different sizes, the protrusions of the septum are all different. <laughs> it doesn't mean that any one of our noses are any different or from the worse, perfect right? norm, yes. but yeah. they're different because noses are different, vulvas are different, and it's the same. No two noses are going to be the same. No two vulvas are going to be the same. Mm-hmm. That's right. I think that's a great point. And I love that you made that comparison because it reminded me of um, when you say no two noses are the same. So I definitely have a very similar looking nose to my mom. And she was very self-conscious about her nose. And and to be honest, I have been as well. And she went to get her nose, quote unquote, fixed. And, And she's had some cosmetic surgeries to change the shape of her nose. And she would be telling me all about how, you know, oh, I fixed it. It was so ugly before, you know, and now it's so much better. And I'm like, mom, I have the same nose. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> she's like, oh no, no, it looks oh. good on you. <laughs> I'm like, wait, yeah, somehow, it changed, somehow it looks completely different on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I oh. even went to to pick her up from one of her um, appointments with her her surgeon after she'd had it, you know, adjusted the shape a little bit and the size and everything. And I walked in, and and he goes, oh, I can fix yours too. <laughs> Oh no no no! Please, like, no, I'm, I'm fine. Do, I'm fine. Thank you. I do think there is there is a, a pretty heavy responsibility on the surgeons and people who mm-hmm. are actually performing these surgeries. So the second part of my experience in the beauty industry, when I was working in the medical field um, and doing, I mostly did laser resurfacing things. But I went to a conf- uh, a, a whole production or a, sorry, a lecture on labioplasty, and we were talking about the ins and outs, <laughs> no pun intended, um, of the. <laughs> <laughs> and what is the most common uh, requests for that and and how they go about assessing whether somebody's a good candidate for that. And I think they... I mean, the one that I was a part of anyway, there was there was quite a bit of, of topic conversation about informing the, the you know, uh, prospective patient on what is normal and and uh, managing expectations, because a lot of the people were coming in with the expectation that they could somehow remove the in the, um, the labia in a way to make it look more pretty. That was the thing that people would often say the word I want it to look more pretty. And there was like a conversation going on here. But like, well, you know what, these parts are actually well within the, the average size. And so let's Let's talk about what average is and kind of like look at what's normal and then if you're still really wanting to go through with it for sure we can go ahead and book surgery but let's talk about first whether you have a realistic realistic expectation which is i think really similar as you know to a lot of what plastic surgeons if they're good ethical ones of yeah. what they do too when somebody comes in and says i want a triple q size double breast plant, triple like, q well, size double f <laughs> Let's talk about what's a a healthy... Lolo Ferrari eats your heart out. (laughs) What's a healthy maximum for your body shape and what's going to be healthiest for you and and whether we can go forward with that. Like there is some ethical things going on there too. So yeah, Yeah. but you've reminded me of a, you you reminded me of a television show that used to air in Britain called Euro Trash, which had, (laughs) (laughs) which was hosted by this Frenchman named Antoine de Cohn. And it was one of these shows that was incredibly sexed open it wasn't necessarily sex positive but it wasn't also sex negative it was just sex open and there would just be you know taking the mickey out of all these things and it would be like so which country has the worst nude beach in europe copenhagen because it's never warm enough and the summer lasts about three minutes and it would be like shots of copenhagen nude beach and it would be like hey look it's a vagina it's a penis it's a set of breasts etc and that was a show that i discovered when i was in my early 20s and it was one of those shows where it was just like huh people exist huh (laughs) different vulvas exist huh different penises exist different boobs exist oh my god it's just like yeah and this show that was designed as a bit of a a bit of a piss take show because it was really high production value but it was made to look like it was you know like proper euro trash absolute genuine euro trash of a show but what it did was they would have segments on it where they would be like hi i'm a dominatrix blah 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 
And look, I'm making my sub wave their um, genitalia around just because I want them to. It's like, oh, this is like Channel 4. For those of you know Channel 4, that's like basic cable television in, a, in Britain. Oh, and it's just wow. like, wow. And it's just like, but on the flip side of that, there was another show that I remember watching when I was about 17. It was called Designer Vaginas. And it was mm. about women in pursuit of returning their vagina to their virgin state to have better sex. Oh my god. Oh boy. So is this gonna be like about some kind of like tightening situation? Oh boy. Uh, What? Okay, I've got to ask, and this is a good segue into another one of the topics we were going to talk about, which is, you know, to what extent should people actually be worried about the shape or size or aesthetic appearance i mean wow this sounds yeah. like it's probably getting into a very uh i, I want to say pseudosciency field as far as um <laughs> virginal <laughs> vaginas what exactly oh is gosh. that supposed to be <laughs> first of all the whole thing is a myth <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely. not how it works people is not no. that it gets you know this this whole idea that perpetuated by mostly religions about virginity and how that fundamentally changes a person's body once you have a penis inserted into it. That's not how it works. Yes, I mean, the hymen's a real thing, but so many people don't even have that by the time that they're in their mid, mid-teens. mid It's like such bullshit, the whole idea. So but first yes. of all, debunking the whole idea of virginity and what that looks like and educating people about what the vagina does and how you know malleable the whole situation is, even after, you know, even after kids. Honestly, there's a lot of debunking that needs to happen out there. There's a lot of misogyny towards people who have had anything besides no sex and no children. So, I mean, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. Yes, the the idea that if you have had sex with multiple different partners, that somehow (laughs) damages your vagina in a way that having sex multiple times with one partner would not. There's a meme out there that says something like, dude, you're not so special that you think your penis can like fundamentally change a person's body (laughs) or whatever. Like, get over yourself. (laughs) Right. This is not a thing. Let's just put that one to bed right now. I I feel like the meme should be, dude, where's your ego? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. (laughs) I want to also talk about another uh, myth-laden topic, uh, which is when we're talking about vagina shame, even though obviously not all vagina havers have periods, but I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about period stigma while we're here uh, today. Um, What do you think it is about periods that we are still dealing with this stigma today? And what do you think would help people feel less dirty and ashamed about that particular bodily function right well i I think this one goes back to pre pre pre-written history i mean just look at the bible and how it talks about women who are menstruating and how many days they had to stay away out of the camp because they were unclean (laughs) yeah and even if you look at you know there's even even in modern judaism there are still regulations Mm -hmm. around around whether someone is if a woman is regular regularly there's still regulations around whether a woman is menstruating and how they have to separate beds and there's all the so these ideas go back a long long way um but i mean even even with our 
like we've come a long way, obviously, in understanding what menstruation is and, you know, even just the understanding of the biology and the physiology behind it. There's nothing dirty about it. But these, you know, these old uh, cultural things remain. And I think that there has been some big, big movements towards destigmatizing period um, in periods in general. So, I mean, we look at kind of the campaigns being put on by like Diva Cup and um, I can't remember the other one, but like period panties. I honestly think that those are some of the best campaigns around uh, period awareness in general. And I think that uh, educating how, you know, young boys are taught from an early age about periods. I have said many times, I have a young son and I talk to him about periods because it's a normal part of life. And he has a mom and a sister in the house and he's just going to have to understand what it is. And it's nothing inappropriate. It's on his understanding. But to start young to, you know, right away that it's just a thing that happens. It's normal. Um, start there for one thing, because otherwise he's going to hear it from some boys in junior high and he's going to have a bad idea about it. Because I said that reminds me quite well of sex ed that I received. It's like the boys were split away and then the girls were all yes. taught about periods and then you would never know what went on in that, in that class and it was like, oh, 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 no idea what that was all about. Bye then. Yes, and how is that doing anybody any good? Like They're going to be very much confused if, if it's already shameful to talk about vaginas, you know, periods are a whole nother yeah. layer and now you're going to exclude boys from knowing how it works no wonder you get these you know memes where people go online and talk about you know my boyfriend just told me he thought that i could hold it in you know yes. while we were on a hold car what in? hold what in <laughs> Yeah, oh my like, God. what do you mean? Yeah. What is it? <laughs> yeah. There's like a really good Facebook group called like, uh, did, did you fail a sex education or did sex education fail you? And it's like, everybody should go uh, become part of that group. It's hilarious because it's constant stuff like this. You know, it's to like- graduate yes. high. Okay, I've got it. To graduate high school, you've got to, you know, take a three-part literacy test in sex. That's hey. actually a great idea. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Like, presumably there's not like a practical uh, well, element of it. Practical element to it, but that yeah. may be, you know, slightly overegging that pudding. So, <laughs> probably, probably. But I so mean, it's a we, fair point. Education that, would probably solve yeah. this. Yeah, sorry, say, so, can we say that the number one thing is stop hiding it from boys mm -hmm. at a young age? Yeah, like stop yeah. hiding it. It's not a. It's nothing taboo about it. It's a very normal thing. It happens to many, many people. So stop, mm -hmm. you know, letting them be sheltered from the reality of what goes on because it already, even the most subtle act of separation them. <laughs> I mean, I understand that you do this in elementary school and, and middle school. There's reasons why you would separate them, but they should be being taught about it in the boys' class too. Like there should be because <laughs> it was just like an awareness okay. about it. Yeah, it's like yeah. just okay. They've got a separate class over there, and we'll go and play football. Yeah, I know it is. That's another conversation, another episode we could talk about. Was what was sex education like? Because <laughs> oh, it, it's really unbalanced for one thing. Yeah, we need yeah. to talk about that on another episode for sure. I didn't even have <laughs> sex education. That's that's a whole other story. Um, yeah, not helpful. Okay, so let's, I think we have time for, you know, maybe one more topic. I want to talk about, you know, how about when we're talking about all of the products and things that are marketed for vaginal and vulva usage, 
to what extent are these things that are going to be useful and to what extent are they perhaps perpetuating uh, some of the myths that we've been attempting to debunk this evening? And do y'all have any experiences with any products in this area? I feel like I've been answering all the questions first. So Phoebe, would you like to go first? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh. So it says pH balance intimate wash. This does. This is what this is. It says pH balance intimate wash. Oh, so that's what it says. So we'll, we'll read the we'll read the bag. So it says pour into hand or flannel and apply. Rinse thoroughly. Use it daily to feel fresh and confident. Washes are designed for the unique needs of intimate skin. Gynecologically tested and gentle enough for daily use. And did you know period sex, tight clothes, menopause, even some body washes and soaps can disrupt the vaginal area of balance. Only pH balancing your intimate area has the help and support that you need to feel fresh all day long. Aha. I, I noticed a very careful wording yes. in that with the, <laughs> again, with the euphemisms about feeling fresh. I'm not sure what, you know, particular function this is performing other than making you wonder whether you, you are fresh and who knows what that means. Fresh and fragrant. <laughs> yeah. Smells I like mean, flower. my opinion is that if, if you're going to use something, at least use something that's designated for the area because it, mm. it is a very, it is a very sensitive area that can get disrupted really easily. I think that like they shouldn't say things like feel fresh and like anything that makes you think that without this product, without this product, you are not this. So like this product will make you better basically is what it's saying. And the truth is, is that you're good the way you are. And um, I mean, we don't need those things. We survived for millennia without these cleaning scented products. You don't need it. And understanding how the whole system works. I mean, generally, you don't need to get up in there. Um, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel fresh. And I mean, there's ways to do it in a healthy way and ways to do it in unhealthy ways. So it's like knowing which areas are um, safer to kind of freshen up, if you will. But even just the idea of like having to do it daily or you're not going to be fresh like that's that seems like a a bit of a yeah. misnomer for me it does it does feel like you're trying to eliminate what is natural yeah yeah natural vulva flora a bacterial flora now, I mean, if, if which I'm is camping. really quite <laughs> If I'm now, if I'm at a music festival, yes. I ain't using those showers those on a regular basis. I ain't, yeah, I, uh, you see the festival showers, unless I bought like VIP tickets or yes. I'm in like a yurt or something, <laughs> I ain't using festival showers, mate. They're not completely yes. useless, but they're over-marketed for the necessity. That's basically yeah. what it is. Right. The yeah. idea that you need this on, on the daily is... If, if you do, maybe there's a medical situation right. daily download for a doctor. Probably not what you need. <laughs> right. Yes. And I, again, that book I mentioned earlier was, it, there was a whole chapter on, you know, the vaginal flora and the microbiome. And I mean, it's one of those areas of, of healthcare and medicine that I think, you know, we are just now beginning to learn about the importance of. And a lot of these products, you know, may be disrupting that more than they are helping it. So it's definitely something to keep in just mind in, when just in general the things. human you know reproductive parts are very sophisticated and how they have you know how they have evolved to you know naturally do the things they're supposed to do so i mean have a little respect yeah <laughs> have a little yeah, respect absolutely. for how it's supposed to be and and you know whatever phoebe you and i had a chat earlier about this and it's it's yeah. applicable across the board it it it's pretty 
good the way it is, you know, just but if if you need to at least use the proper products. Yeah. And speaking of which to kind of end on a on a high note, are there any particular products that you uh, <laughs> do enjoy using or introducing to that area? What's it? What's in my magical bag of treats? I would love to know. Oh, a, oh, hang on, that's a banana. Oh, hey, wait a minute. What's that doing in there? <laughs> Emergencies, emergencies. Fair, fair, fair enough. But yes, oh, I, I do dear. have some. I do have some magical items in here. I mean, I mean, if you're going to start, you know, having fun down down in your, you know, genitalia area, you know, use products that you're comfortable with. Use products that you want to use. Don't feel that you've got to have like the largest, most internal splitting dildo that you can have. I mean, I mean, I've got a whole range of products here that do a whole range of different things, and they're all a lot of fun. But you've got to use them if you want to use them and they're right for you don't ever feel pressure to get you know the biggest you know <laughs> vagina splitting <laughs> dildo that you can find in your local sex shop i mean unless that's like what you want just, uh, if you <laughs> want that if you want that that's fine i mean i mean uh, this lovely this lovely external use only for you know mainly clitoral stimulation is brilliant i mean we've got other things here where you can have internal and external stimulation at the same time i mean that's that's fairly wonderful i mean well wonderful remote control here so you just you know insert and you know control it through your telephone if you really want to mm -hmm. and then you just have your more standard one which is here but what i do recommend and i do have to i do have to say this above all else clean your toys after use <laughs> clean them using products which are designed for the toy that you have and look after them properly but most of all Look after yourself as well. I mean, just make sure that you are using the correct lube for the toys that you have. I mean, water-based or silicon-based or other bases, make sure that it's for the correct toys that you use. I mean, I wouldn't go trying to insert this inside my uh, vaginal canal, but I would quite happily insert this and just have a lot of fun. But I wouldn't do it without any of the wonders that, that come out of this here, because if I was to stick this up there, no matter how great the lubricating glands that are in my vaginal canal are, they ain't going to be as good as if I just go... Yes. <laughs> Lubrication. Yeah. We preach this a lot here. It's great. Use it. Yes. You're not defective if you're using lube. You're you're being smart. You're a sensible yeah. human, not a silly human. Silly <laughs> humans go, silly humans go, I don't need no lube. And then they wonder why it hurts. Sensible human gets all wet, messy, and sticky, and then they have a lot of fun, and then they go at the end of it. Whereas, you know, a painful, you know, unexciting, uncooperative set of sex toys isn't going to be much fun no matter how much push and pull and you know go <laughs> even yeah. understanding the, the common myth is your friend <laughs> i was gonna say even understanding the common myths about you know like i think i think emily nagowski calls it something like arousal incongruence not not everybody is uh like it doesn't always happen like that right so there's nothing wrong with you if you get super wet or if you don't get wet at all there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with either of those things not that's not always like a step one step two step three so get your lube out and know the difference between your water bases and your your silicones yeah yes and practice on yourself by yourself before you feel compelled to perform in a certain way it's not a performance That's enjoy right. what is happening 
to your own body. It's it's not for someone else's pleasure. It's it's for yours too. So I I love that that we're uh, witnessing the <laughs> banana situation the here. <laughs> and while that takes place, <laughs> Aaron, do you have the results of our yes. poll? I was just looking for it. I had it up here for a second ago, but I think I have the the correct results right now. So the the poll question we asked earlier is: Have you ever broken up with someone because of their genitals? And the answer was 88% no. So hey. there you go. 88% of people don't don't care. It's so fine. So toxic 18-year-old <laughs> me was in the 12% minority yes. then. Well, there you have it. Most people right. are not bothered about it. So the people that's, have spoken. Uh, that's a proper relief to know that. That's really quite, you know, satisfying to know that the audience around these parts enjoy their parts. Yes. And, and other people's that. parts. Uh, yes. <laughs> all the parts. <laughs> and parts so, um, fun known is what I say. Parts fun known. <laughs> yes, I love it. And as we wrap up this evening, uh, what other resources or advice do y'all have that could help us find love or acceptance for our perfectly imperfect vulvas or anyone else who's who's worried about it? Well, if you're ever in London and you get the chance, visit the London Vagina Museum. Wow. Yes! Yep. London Vagina Museum. I'm writing that down. I love it. <laughs> and if you All don't right. have access to hop on a plane, if you're not local, you can always look online. There are a few really good resources like the labialibrary.com. Um, there are, there's been projects out there where people will f- photograph thousands of different vulvas so you can have a better idea of what is normal. Um, and then as a book recommendation, I recommend the Vagina Bible by Dr. Jennifer Gunther. It will help demystify a lot of these kind of common misunderstandings that we have about the vagina, the vulva, the whole, the whole thing. Yes, absolutely. I love that. And those are exactly the kind of resources I was thinking of too. Um, you mentioned another book, Aaron, uh, by Emily Nagoski. Come As You Are is one that I always recommend. It's not just about sort of appreciate and loving your own body, but also, you know, enjoying and experiencing pleasure in a way that works for you. And I thought that one was awesome. And another website that people could visit is allvulvasarebeautiful.com, which is similar, I think, to the one you were talking about to the labia library and just, you know, being able to look and see uh, what other people's bodies and vulvas look like and seeing that there's a a big diversity there. And that's great and normal. (laughs) And you're okay. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. I think this has been a a great conversation um, talking about all of this. I hope a lot of people go down to those resources and start to kind of work through the deconstruction of their own views on their own on vulvas in general, whether you have one or you love somebody who has one. um, That's a great idea. I do too. Yeah. And just thinking about where did these ideas that we have about them come from? And is that something that is really accurate or useful or helpful to anyone. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's been a little well, bit cathartic for me. I wasn't expecting it to be as cathartic for me, but it's a little bit cathartic. This was good. This was a good vagina good. party, y'all. Well, it was a wonderful vagina party. I mean, I'm, I'm a penis-free person now. I, I enjoy a good vagina party. Yes, this was fun. We'll have to do it again. And, you know, maybe on a subsequent week, they, they can have a penis party one day. And, I think that's you know, an absolute at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. look forward to that one folks or we could do do the sequel penis vagina 
All right. Well, we appreciate everybody joining us here tonight to have this conversation. Um, and I hope you had your own kind of moments of kind of deconstruction and feeling better about what you have or what you see. Um, to keep up with what's happening at the ACA, uh, you can visit our website at atheist-unity.org. Um, that has been updated recently and it has everything that's going on currently with the ACA. And if you um, want to see what's going on with all the different shows, that's a great resource for that. Um, if you have any questions or comments, um, you can email this show in particular at sex at atheist-unity.org or you can email the ACA directly at tv at atheist-community.org. So you can direct those questions um, wherever, wherever you see fit, whether you want to talk to us continually about this conversation or you have more questions or ideas for future episodes. That's a great way to get a hold of us here at this show or if you have questions for the broader group of the atheist community of Austin. Um, another way that you can kind of catch up with what's going on with all of the atheist, um, atheist community of Austin programs is through tiny.c forward slash AEN podcast. This is a, an audio only resource. So for those who have long shifts where you're allowed to listen to something, this is a great one for that. It has all of our shows, um, atheist uh, experience, talk ethan, truth wanted, nonprofits, and all of those, they're all uploaded on there in audio form only. So that's a great way to find everything that you're looking for. Um, we also have other ways to connect with the community. We have a Facebook group. The Facebook group is a fan run uh, Facebook program or Facebook group. So uh, you can go on there and connect with people and uh, send memes and just get to know people on that on that area as well. And then uh, the next one would be the Discord. So those Discord users, I myself am not a great Discord user. I'm trying to get better at it. And I have stopped fumbling my way around Discord recently. Uh, the Discord community is also fan run. So if you want to connect in that way, there's um, tiny.c forward slash ACD Discord. And again, that is a fan run Discord and they do a really great job over there. And last but not least, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the, the folks behind the scene who have been listening to this whole conversation and putting up with it all and or enjoying it a lot. I'm not sure. Uh, the crew cam. Thank you, crew. You got you everybody behind the scenes. They work so hard. Uh, this show, this is a program that runs, you know, we're talking all throughout the week. We set up early. We set up the sound. We do a lot behind the scenes before the show even starts. So we really appreciate everybody um, who is a part of this. And if you are in the Austin area, and would like to um, attend a live show. Right now, we do most of our shows via webcam, and we kind of get that get that way to uh, connect with everybody. But we are committing to having one in-studio episode um, per month per show. So the next one is on February, oh, what's the date? <laughs> February 23rd, 24th, and 25th um, in-studio in Austin at the library. We have Secular Sexuality, Truth Wanted, Talk Heathen, and The Atheist Experience. Um, so please, if you're in the area, come down, connect. I say that as a Canadian. I will not be there maybe someday <laughs> sorry 26th and not the 25th uh so yeah come on down and get to get to meet your fellow fellow atheists and connect with everybody yes absolutely join us down there and before we log off aaron and phoebe thank you so much for this conversation and this party do you have any final thoughts that you would like to leave us with mm. i feel like phoebe's got a good one here i'm just thinking yeah. just go and look in the mirror and <laughs> and and just appreciate everything that you have and how wonderful it is and how how normal it is and if you're struggling with insecurities about how you look um check out the resources that we mentioned earlier and realize that the whole a whole wonderful array of spectrum of different things everything comes in 
all shapes and sizes. And there's there's really, honestly, as an esthetician who saw many, many, many different ones, there's nothing that we haven't seen. It's all very, very normal. All I'll say is as someone who's had both a prick and a fanny, don't think that that's the end. You may have a prick you don't like the look of. You may have a fanny you don't like the look of. But just try to understand the reason why you may dislike or try to unpick a bit more. Because it may be that, yes, okay, you genuinely have strong dislikes about it. But is there something deeper in there? For me, there was something a lot deeper. And now something a lot deeper can go in there. So there you go. <laughs> I love it. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Excellent. Words to live by. And uh, on that note, we'll go ahead and wrap up. And uh, and no matter what equipment you're working with, whether you have the standard issue, the bedazzled, or the latest and greatest updated model, go out and give yourself a big old orgasm. Or better yet, give somebody else one. Watch Talk Heathen live Sundays at 1 p.m. Central. Visit tiny.cc slash YTTH and call into the show at 512-991-9242 or connect to the show online at tiny.cc slash call TH.